This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitniks, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners360.com. I'm your host, Matt, joined as usual by my co-hosts. We have Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners360, and Caleb Cummings, a.k.a. Mr. 55, the 360 film guru. Before we get into the show, just a reminder... Subscribe to the 360 Recruiting Podcast on your favorite platform of choice. And thank you for joining us for episode number 20. We're going to call this one, You Get a Five Star, You Get a Five Star, You Get a Five Star. We're just going to start. We're going to jump right into last weekend's big-time recruiting event. Chris, let's lead off with the big fish, the five stars. Who made it in? Why should we like our chances at signing some of these guys? Well, first off, OU had three guys that were planned to come in. We talked about them on the last podcast. We were fairly certain they were coming in. They all visited Norman. That's confirmed through interviews, social media traffic. So we know they were in Norman and were being recruited. So the first one, and let's not bury the lead here. The first one is Williams Waneri, the defensive end from Missouri, the former high school teammate of Caden Green. He was on campus again, and OU appears to have absolutely nailed the visit with uh, Winery. There have been all kinds of forecasts and crystal balls going out, including some from non-OU staffers. We also internally at 360, we've heard that OU had a fantastic visit with Winery, and uh, our, our sources are calling it something along the lines of a substantive lead that OU basically was maybe neck and neck with Missouri going in and completely grabbed a lead. And this could be a, it's very like a lot of people are phrasing this, that this is a lead that OU may not give up that when is not the kind of um, prospect who's really dying. He's going to go through this process, but he's not really that into recruiting. And uh, he's a relatively new riser uh, in recruiting. He's a five-star top 10 talent right now. He's risen to that sort of like a, a little, sort of a 
similar to P.J. Adeware, but it seems to be that college football has recognized him a little earlier. But in terms of personality, I think probably when Ari found a fit in Norman with the coaches, the coaching style, and, and the players there. So if, if you have ever dreamed about OU having five-star NFL top pick potential bookend bookend pass rushers, we, we may be looking at that situation. The state of Missouri looks like it may be very generous to, to Oklahoma again. And then the next one is uh, more of a, well, is, do we call Waco local? Is more, Waco's at least more regional, more local talent area, Texas talent area. So Kobe Black visited from Waco. Oh, you finally got him on campus. Uh, he almost visited January 29th for the first weekend. Uh, had something come up and backed out, but uh, Jay Valai was able to get him on campus, and it looks like OU is in play there. Um, I kind of view Jay Valai as kind of like a, a recruiting ninja that, like, or once he gets involved, he's he's hard to really. He's kind of stealthy. He's he kind of, you don't think he's really you don't think he's really recruiting, and then he kind of takes takes control of a recruiting and then rides it out. Uh, I think he did the same thing with um, uh, with Vickers last year, uh, our favorite our favorite DB from Florida. Uh, I think he was a big factor in helping with Peyton Bowen. I think he was very, you know, I think he did a good job with Jacoby Johnson, and he was also there with Josiah Wagner. So I think Jay, once Jay Valai gets into a situation, I think he's going to hang around and stay around. He's crafty. He's dogged in his recruiting pursuit, so I think OU is going to stay around with Kobe Black. I don't know. I don't know that their favorite, probably some other schools in play, but I think now that Jay Valai's got like an opening in that door, he's he's going to stay in that fight. And then the last one is Edric Houston, the star five star defensive end from Buford, Georgia, and OU has a lot of connections here. Ted Roof's kid used to play at Buford. OU has, I'm sorry, Clemson recruited Buford heavily. So Todd Bates, Brent Venables, Ted Roof, they are all known throughout that, that school, throughout that coaching staff. There's a lot of familiarity and a lot of connections. Um, and OU landed their message with Edric Houston. And they sort of landed that alternative message, that relationship message that Brent's trying to build that, you know, that OU wants to make you a great football player, but OU wants to make you a great, you know, wants to make you a great person too. And some kids, that message just falls off their back and they're not, and they don't seem to react to that. But Edric seems to really have clicked with that message. And, and OU, I think OU's got an opening here. Um, obviously beating Clemson and Georgia, for a kid from Buford, Georgia, which is just up from Atlanta, where the Mall of Georgia is, near where I used to live up in Swanee, uh, it's going to be hard for OU to get there. But I think they've, I think they've firmly established a foothold and a message with Edric. And if OU continues to improve and continues to add more players and has a good class, I, I could see OU in play this fall for for Edric Houston. Caleb, what are what are your thoughts on? how a guy like Wannery and a guy like Houston would fit into this defense? Uh, perfectly. Uh, 
would be probably how I'd phrase it. I think both of them, when you look at and try to pull a comp right to what uh, Bates and Chavis and Venables uh, did at, at Clemson, I think it was probably a departure from what we got used to seeing at defensive end uh, through the late, you know, uh, 2000s and early teens uh, from from BV. The guys like uh, Frank Alexander were <clears throat> a little more rare. Right, Oklahoma didn't have a lot of six foot five, two hundred and sixty five pound defensive ends. They're more along the lines of you know Ronell Lewis, uh, six two and a half, six three, two fifty, Austin English, you know somewhere in that same that same area. But you know as they went to Clemson, you look at those guys, and he tended to really. I think it probably had some has something to do with the versatility and those guys' ability to play run and pass. Uh, equally well and not just the, uh, you know, uh, effectively speed rushers. But the defensive ends grew in size, uh, you know, where it's Farrell uh, or this year, the defensive end they've got coming out. And it, it's his name uh, kind of leaves my mind here, but projected to be a Miles, Miles, Miles Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, Miles Murphy, right? So former five-star projected to be a first-round pick. And in that six-foot-five, 265, 275-pound range, it's just that prototypical. Uh, Houston is so intriguing. I mean, I, first I will say that I think I've said this probably quite a few times on the board and, and probably on some of our pods. I, I think uh, Noeri is uh, – he's easily a top ten player in this class. Uh, when you watch his film, everything – football is really easy to him. And he don't want to say he ever looks bored, but it's just even against fantastically good composite, uh, composition, rather, uh, you know, other – kids that are year older that were going to power five programs, he just kind of beats them. I mean, just pretty consistently, very easily. Uh, so that ranking is deserving, you know, but Houston, what's so intriguing to me with him is he looks like the guys, I mean, by and large, I think what people kind of forget, because if you look at Deshaun Watson and, and Trevor Lawrence, and, and we think that's what, helped build Clemson and, and it was to some regard, but really everyone knows it was that defense. And then in those, those, you know, really important games, they got really good, uh, you know, situational play from their quarterbacks, but uh, guys like Houston, that's what helped turn Clemson around was their ability to go into Georgia or North Florida. Uh, some of those places where they hadn't been successful against Georgia or Alabama or, or Florida previously. And they started winning those guys. Uh, and with, you know, I say what you will, I know, you know, it's a polarizing figure. Uh, Ted Roof is, to some regards, you know, uh, a Georgia legend and, you know, he all-time great linebacker at Georgia Tech. High school coaches in the state of Georgia love him. He's a fantastic, you know, guy, but he, he's very well-respected. Son played there. And, uh, again, Bates uh, made a – made a lot of money going into that part of Georgia and pulling kids. So really interesting to see that, uh, what they do with him, because I think tend to always lean to say Alabama and, and Georgia, but I think he's a better fit for a team that is more of an even down, a four down front uh, Houston. That is, I don't really, I don't think, I don't think a, a, uh, an odd front is what fits him best. Uh, I think him having his hand, you know, playing on the, on, on an edge, uh, hand on the ground, getting upfield is, is what would serve him best. So that one is is probably the most interesting one to me to watch. And Clemson will probably be, I would bet, truthfully, the 
the one Oklahoma's got to compete with. So the most that would, that's one to keep your eye on. Well, we got those three guys all on campus at the same time. Uh, our sources uh, have been pointing to us that we really like where we are at with Wannery, uh, Black and Houston. We'll, we'll just have to see how the next few months play out. But Chris, those aren't the only five stars we are in play for, and those won't be the only ones visiting here in the next month or so. Uh, what's the latest on the rest of the five stars we're in on? Well, native Oklahoma City son David Stone uh, should be on campus on Monday. Uh, he's making a tour all around college football, uh, getting in as many visits into many unofficial visits into as many places as he can. But he'll be back in Norman uh, early early next week, and then Sammy Brown, the um, middle linebacker, number one, probably I think the best middle linebacker in the country uh, from from Georgia, just south of Athens. Uh, he should be in. Uh, he should be on OU's campus, and I'm kind of hearing either early early April or the the end of end of March. But either way, that's. That's five five-star defenders, five guys who were legitimately top 20 players in the nation on defense, top 20 players in the nation, regardless of position, but all defenders uh, on campus uh, in, 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 in the month of March. And I'm, I, I can't recall, and I've been tracking this a long, long time, the last time OU would have had five five-star defensive prospects uh, on campus at the same time. On campus in the same month, so to say, the defensive. You know, I know I'm not sure you will get five of these guys, or you know, will they get two or three of these guys? I think that's that's a possibility. Uh, but just just the thought of that, OU has five of them, and you know, literally, you know, if they hit if they hit on Kobe Black, and if they hit on Sammy Brown, and 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 Winery and Stone, let's just say that goes the four they got. You know, OU would nearly have a five-star at every level of their defense when you put the last two classes together. Well, with the the move to the SEC coming, uh, it, it seems like the model has been so far in that conference, uh, winning with five stars in the on the D-line, uh, in the front seven, or really, like you said, all three layers, but definitely in the trenches and – on the the offensive side of the ball, a good run game. It seems to do well <clears throat> for schools like Alabama and Georgia lately. What is the latest with all these different running backs we seem to be in on? Well, the interesting, I think the real wild card, kind of the surprising element, was that Tovani Mizell, the UGA commit from uh, the D.C. area. He plays at DeMatha in the D.C. area. Uh, Maryland, D.C. area. Uh, he moved from Florida uh, back up, moved from Florida up to, to the D.C. area. He was on campus, and I think it was a bit of a surprise. And then the bigger surprise was, like a day later, he's decommitting from UGA. Now, UGA is kind of spinning it that, well, we're, we moved on from him, and and I, they, they certainly can spin it that way. They, they, they certainly take a back seat to no one in running back recruiting. But either way, all of a sudden, a player who DeMarco Murray has basically been recruiting for about two and a half years is now on the market. And once again, we got a bunch of crystal balls and forecasts for Tovani Mizell to OU, which was very surprising. 
and kind of shakes things up at running back recruiting a little bit because OU still has, you know, two guys we've been talking about a lot, both on this podcast and on our message boards at Sooners 360, some great conversations about running back fit. You know, OU already has Caden Durham and James Peoples, who's been on who've been on campus and seem to be, you know, leaning to OU. And then we've got more wild cards kind of coming out of the woodwork at running back. Stacy Gage is still somewhere in this fit. Taylor Tatum still uh, Stacy Gage. I'm sorry, he's the running back from uh, who was from St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas. Now, sorry, sorry, I was trying to pull his. He's from Hugo, Oklahoma, and then oh, that's he right. yeah, to, yeah. And then he went to IMG. Then he went to Tampa Wharton, and now he's at Fort Lauderdale St. Aquinas with another top 200 running back. <clears throat> so it's gonna be interesting to see how how Gage does in a kind of a two-back field with another another highly rated guy. And then we got Taylor Tatum, who's generally regarded as the best running back in Texas. And then we have another Florida running back, Anthony Carey, who's getting a lot of visits. He's another top 200 guy. And he's somewhere in this mix as well. So it's very good. I sort of thought things would be narrowing down at running back. Instead, they seem to be kind of widening. And I'm just kind of wondering if this is going to be a, just a just kind of a vicious game of musical chairs, and when the someone falls and takes the first chair, the the mad scramble for the second could get could get really interesting. Well, Caleb, where do you see these other options at running back fitting in into this version of the veer and shoot under Jeff Levy? No, that's a that's a kind of a loaded question. I'll I'll try to look at it. I'll try to bring that down a little bit because to Chris's point, there are a bunch of guys that Oklahoma uh, is in on right now and in that top group. So I'll try to look at it just from like Peebles, Mizell, Durham, uh, and, and kind of just focus it in from there. You know, and for me, I, when I think of what Levy tries to do with really stretching the defense right horizontally uh and then obviously you want to get vertical uh and, and score from long and he's big on that i think what's interesting and when he first got hired i watched a lot of hard to find now uh, but when he was a running backs coach at baylor you know him breaking down film and talking about what they looked for one of the things he harped on actually the top thing he harped on was how they preached to their backs you've got to be able to make that one guy miss but we're going to block it up right we're going to do this but we're going to get north and south quick and you've got to be able to make that one defender miss and i think that's where i'd probably put people's number one for me uh because it's really his ability to run through trash i think he's a great all-around bad guys don't get really good shots on him uh he's physical can't take it the distance uh but just from a yeah his is his ability to uh run through that one defender run through that arm tackle you know and like that safety's, you know, ID that he's coming down. Uh, it's it's rare that you have a, a situation like Pearson had with uh, with Gray in the Tech game where it's one on one and you square that guy up and, and blow him up like that. It, it's normally a glancing shot, and I think people's, uh, you know, ability to get through that is is big. And you know, he would be slightly one, and then it's really hard for me to separate Durham and, and Mizell. Uh, Mizell's a lot bigger. And I think uh, even I realized seeing him standing next to uh, DeMarco and he's got big playability. He's got big speed as well. 
but Durham is a, I think he ran 10, four, 10, four, nine last weekend. So first meet of the year of his junior year. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. You're talking about a kid that's got the ability to run, you know, 10, two or better before he graduates high school. Uh, and as someone mentioned on the board, seeing him live uh, a lot, he's, he's much more physical apparently than what you see on his, on his high school film, because on his high school film, it is him just ripping, you know, big run after big run after big run. So, you know, if you maybe choose between those two, I would probably put, put Durham slightly above my just because of, again, you know, with his home run hitting ability, you make one guy miss and it's, it could be six. Uh, so you know, I think, uh, that's probably how I would shake it out, but I'm Chris, I'm not so sure that we, I'm not sure they might not be looking at taking three backs in this class, uh, as wild as that seems. Uh, but, uh, it just seems like where they set with so many of these backs, uh, you know, it's two seems likely. I wonder if three is a possibility. Well, it's, it's, it's odd because it, it used to be that the last two classes kind of gave us like a model for what we thought. DeMarco and, and Levy wanted. Um, you got Javante Barnes, who's the slightly bigger back, right? Trending to be about 205, 210. And then you got Sawchuck, who's just like game-breaking home run guy, right? And then this class gave us Caleb Hicks, who seems to be the more bigger physical back. And then we got Dalen Smothers, who's who has that home run, who's a little, who's under 200 pounds, has that home run blur, right? So if you were looking at Durham and Peoples and Mizell from that viewpoint, Mizell's kind of the bigger back and maybe Durham's the speed back, but Peoples is really close. And then, you know, where does the, where does the, the truck, the M1 Abrams tank of a running back in Xavier Robinson fit in all this? It's... <laughs> I've wondered, I've, I've said this a number of times, I almost wonder, looking at his size, do they think, hey, this is a potential H-back tight end? Uh, you know, someone that if you're going to play that that role, you know, more in that sniffer position as opposed to in line, you know, you don't have to be, you know, yeah. being 6'5 and really long is less impactful because you're not asking him to fit up a defensive end, right? You're asking him to to insert on a backer. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. He is – he's huge. Uh, kind of having, having an image of him like at 6'2", 245, all muscled up, and OU's doing some weird two-back, three-back stuff, and you're leaking – you're leaking Robinson out. And if he can catch the ball, he's doing his best Trey Millard rumble down the sideline, jumping over somebody, you know, bury, you know, the, 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 you know, the famous Texas highlight where he's just burying guys and running over them. Um, so I just wonder, and I also wonder if Durham has some like slot, slot back kind of stuff in him too, where, you know, you've got all of a sudden you flexed, you flex Durham out and all of a sudden he's in the slot where you can get him open in space and, and, and then he's gone. Right. So it's, I honestly don't know where they're going with this. The Mizell thing threw me off completely, like on all the forecasts and crystal balls and how long DeMarco has been recruiting him. Cause he had kind of a lesser junior year where I, I just personally think he ran into better competition in that, in that whole DC public school area, which we now know is just loaded with division one talent. Right. Um, 
we, we, we've seen it, correct? I mean, we know that now. Um, so yeah. I just kind of, I just kind of wonder if it just threw me off. I'm like, you know, Durham and Peoples makes perfect sense. That's where it's trending. That's where it's trending. And all of a sudden, Tavani Mizell wants to be a Sooner. I'm like, okay, how do we, where, where does that fit in all this? So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just very much confused about, you know, I follow recruiting all the time and I, I don't honestly like saying I'm, I'm confused as to what DeMarco Murray is doing. I am not in his head. I, I think he has lots of options and, you know, Anthony Carey is a guy who's, who's vaulting up the charts. He's also from Florida, as I mentioned before, and he's kind of around there as well. And, and then, and then someone had mentioned Stacy Gage won an Under Armour camp tournament in a uh, camp down in Florida recently. So uh, it's, it's like, a you know, it's, it seems like DeMarco has just flipped the script completely out at running back in terms of our recruiting, in terms of being able to find the right guys, find the right guys in numbers and, and get them to OU. And, and this is before, I mean, I think Barnes and, you know, this is really not really my bailiwick, but I think Barnes and Sawchuck could really blow it up this year. And this running back and DeMarco's ability to recruit running backs could be even, could just be even greater, but it's, it's, it's a conundrum. I, my prediction I made recently, you know, could be completely wrong. Cause I, I didn't, pre, I didn't I mean, I didn't have Tavoni Mizell as, as joining this class. I, you know, the thing that jumps out to me when I, when you, put it all in perspective like that is I, and I think we've seen this at some other positions. I get the feeling that they're just not going to put themselves in a position where, Hey, we, we, we lock in on these three guys and we really like them and we're going to focus everything on these three guys and hope we can land two, you know, and that, you know, that, that high of a percent. And would rather look at, uh, you know, I mean, you bring the point, right? Like, how much is the the gap between Mizell and, and Peoples? Maybe not. Maybe not a lot. But and Peoples is a bigger, just a bigger athlete. Um, he just is. But yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I, you know, I don't know how. I don't know how much. Uh, I was shocked at Mizell's size when you see him. He's listed anywhere from. Makes you think of an old uh, uh, comedian line, you know, where he said, "I'm anywhere between five ten and six two, depending on what convenience store I'm walking out of." Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, Mizell. He's listed anywhere from five eleven to six two. I think I've seen somewhere, yeah, but he, uh, seeing him I next think, to Demarco, I think, I think you know five eleven and a half. I think Demarco measured just a shade under six, but he's probably in that same range. Uh, thick, thick kid. Uh, you know, I. I, and to your point as well on Durham, and you kind of reverse that to what you saw with uh, Levy's offenses at Ole Miss. He liked, you know, when they had a, a speed back that they could put in the slot, move around a lot, get on jet sweeps, get the ball to in some unique ways. They really leaned on that. They used some two back, uh, but their two back was different, right? Their two back was, you know, uh, I think it was Ely was 215 or so. They had him in the backfield yeah. and they, had a bit more of a speed guy. They would move around. They could, you know, kick some of those really artist long handoffs, right, on those uh, kind of jet sweep, you know, some of those uh, just quick game and the passing concepts. So, I mean, Durham can fit. I think Durham, to me, 
because of his versatility, he fits in a lot of ways. And, and maybe it's a race between Peoples and, and Mizell to see where that shakes out. And and Demarco's looking at it like, hey, we're not going to ride with we're not going to ride with one guy. Maybe there's a hair splitting him. So let's uh, let's recruit the best and let them sort it out. And is and is there going to be something to? Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Well, is there a possibility that Xavier Robinson is not just a, you know, flex H back slash running back? Is there a possibility that they could find room for him on defense as an athlete? Yeah, I just watched him running the ball on that stiff arm, and it's just it's it. I'm sorry, I think it'd be a waste to be. I think he'd be wasted at defense. You know, I think it probably for me that would depend on uh, where he how he develops physically. Uh, what was the uh, – played running back. This is probably a long time. It was probably 2005. Signed with Texas out of Colorado uh, and then quickly developed into a defensive tackle within uh, a handful oh, of years. And then, Melton. Was it Henry Melton? Henry, Henry, yeah, Henry Melton. Yeah, he was uh, – yeah. That's, uh, he yeah. played for the Bears. Yeah, and, and so like – you know, maybe it's a situation like that because I, that is the thing with uh, with Robinson is that body type. He is already so big and he's not a real like high cut guy. Uh, so I think his ability to just continue to add weight might be a high possibility. I'd be curious to know what he weighs right now. If it's, you know, is it 220 or is it 235? Because I think, you know, and we may talk about this with defensive linemen, right? Kids that are 235 when they are, you know, in the fall of their junior year of high school have a real tendency to be 280 pounds by the time they're a sophomore in college. You know, if they're just eating, lifting, doing those things. Uh, so, I, you know, maybe that's a huge stretch. Maybe he's, he's already matured, but I, I don't think it's a – it could be a possibility. Yeah, maybe they'll take two guys and then – uh, kind of keep him under the wing, see how he develops over the summer into the his senior year, and kind of see where they could slot him in from there. Yeah, but you just label him an athlete and figure it out later. Yeah. But to your point, Chris, he's such a surprise. I don't mean – his tape's really good, but when you look at all of the backs, Oklahoma was really setting really high on their list for, you know, again, Mizell, Durham, Peoples, uh, Taylor – uh, right, another Texas back out of the Houston area. You look at all these because he's got a bunch of crystal balls from a, a month or two ago where everybody thought, okay, he's going to pick Oklahoma soon. When you look at where Oklahoma set with all these backs and then they still in and offered in-state Robinson, it's uh, it's interesting. They see something. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's the fourth quarter, five-minute closer, right? The the old Trey Sermon role, except to the Trey Sermon. At, well, Trey was a big back, so that's not that – he. I mean, if – if Robinson really focuses, he could be two th- just an absolutely rip two thirty, and be your you know your five minute offense fourth quarter closer. I mean, it's he's he. I mean, he runs through people on tape. That that at least that's the you can definitely say that. You may have some questions about his overall speed, but there's there's no question that he bruises through people and and gets to the next level. So. Well, it's, he's definitely interesting. That recruitment will be interesting to follow. Again, he's from Carl Albert right up the road. Uh, Chris, before we move on to the next topic, and as we wrap up the big weekend, uh, were there, you know, just speaking of interesting, is was there one or two other guys out there that uh, made it to campus that are of interest? 
Well, just just overall, just to give a little, uh, just a little recap. There are about twenty-two kids on campus, and about fifteen to sixteen of them, including the, when you add the five stars and all the four stars, were four stars or higher. So, when you combine that with the 29th weekend, all the talent that was there, oh, you nailed this weekend in terms of high-end talent on campus. So, just from that, but I think there was one interesting player who didn't get a lot of publicity, and his name is. Uh, Traveris Banks, he's from actually from Tuscaloosa. He's about 6'1", 6'2", 195 pounds, plays cornerback or could be a safety. And I'm just one, and he had a great time with Valai. Valai kind of, you know, working that relationship with him, has had some connections with him a long time. And I kind of wonder if maybe, maybe he's this year's Makari Vickers, the guy that OU is able to make a big focus on. And he's right top 100, top 150 right now. But he's a he's a physical looking kid. Um, and I kind of wonder maybe if he's this year's Makari Vickers, who Valai is able to recruit, recruit, hang in there, hang in there. Bama is recruiting some other guys. Makari makes him a focus, and Banks takes an official to OU this summer, falls in love with OU, and decides, well, you know, OU's in the SEC. You know, maybe I'll just do something different because Alabama's not making me a focus. So. Um, Caleb, have you had a chance to look at his film? I, I, I think there's a real steal potential there. Yeah, no, I, I thought the same when you mentioned just how physical he is. Uh, he's a thick lower half, like he's thick, physical uh, defender. I mean, it's interesting. You see him at corner. You see him play some deep safety. You see him play a lot of in the box safety, really kind of as a as a linebacker, uh, just brought down. I mean, God, you see him on a couple of clips. He is. He's playing kind of in the in the A gap because uh, I like his ability to run sideline to sideline. Really comfortable versus the run. His it's interesting watching him on tape because one of the things I'm watching and thinking, okay, well, at corner you don't see him, you don't see them ask him uh, to turn and run vertical with a lot of receivers, and that's not really all that uncommon for you know top defensive back recruits in high school. You're not usually you're not you know not going to say, hey, let's let's find the top 100 kid and throw, you know, fade routes at him. That's usually not something other high school coaches do. Uh, but, you know, I, you don't see like some of the ball skills, I, th- I guess I thought uh, I expected to see. Uh, they're good. You don't see him just picking balls off, though. Uh, but then you flip over and you watch his offensive film, and you're like, oh, my gosh. You see more acceleration. Uh, you see the speed that I was wondering, hey, is it there at corner? You know, I'm not, they're not, nobody's pushing him to make him turn and run. And you watch him, you know, at receiver, they use him a lot in the short game, throw him underneath and just let him, you know, run through and run away from folks for big plays in the passing game. I think he had 1,200 yards receiving as a junior. Uh, so I've, something you've talked that's a lot Vickers, about. Chris. That's what Vickers senior tape. Remember Vickers senior tape? Yeah. His, his wide receiver film, he was just like dominating guys out there, just throwing them around and just, running for touchdowns so yeah and that's what you mean banks i mean you can see i don't know how again if his high school uh looks good competition i know that it is i don't know if they're if they're really good but you can tell from watching it's like hey they think a lot of him right if we're playing a team that's going to throw the ball he's playing deep safety he's playing corner on their best player if it's a running team we're spinning him down he's gonna he's going wherever that backer quarterback goes and then on offense it's like get him he plays running back and receiver they're just finding ways to get him the ball he's in you know uh 
I would think he'd be a really good fit for for the cheetah role. Uh, but of course, he's the Oklahoma recruiting a hundred of those, and I think maybe it's more. And <laughs> I think I honestly think it's maybe not so much the recruiting a hundred cheetahs as maybe it's going to be the free safety and the strong safety, and I was free safety rather and the cheetah. Maybe those two guys are just going to be flex players that are interchangeable. Uh, and, and we can, you know, it can, you know, do a lot of different things with, with those two guys. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's a really good player. Him being from Tuscaloosa is, is interesting. I don't know where he's at on Alabama's board, but uh, to go in there and, and pull a top DB would and be a coup. Yeah. I think that's a, I think those are all good views on his film. So Matt, that's kind of wrapping up the weekend. I mean, like I said, there's you know there's nearly 25 players there, so it's hard to go all through through all of them. We hit the highlights, the running back, but uh, there is probably more. There's probably maybe one other big issue that seems to be coming through. I think with OU's recruiting um, is I'm starting to wonder if OU's we we keep. I've been when I'm trying to make make my prediction every month. I'm trying to look for a big sort of super sort of a super heavyweight 300 plus 310 plus nose guard to go next to David Stone in a potential lineup in a world where I think well, OU gets David Stone. But I'm wondering if OU's going to skip that and maybe focus on adding more big defensive ends because two more big defensive ends were on campus over the weekend, TJ Lindsay and Joseph Janai Ajanye. Um, so I know, Caleb, you've had a chance to look at this film. You've looked at the film of Benedict Yuma, who we've mentioned before. We've talked about Nigel Nigel Smith. We Edric Houston also could possibly fit in that mold as well. He has the frame yeah. to get a lot bigger. Do, what what are you thinking? Maybe if if I told you, oh, you skipped a, a big heavyweight nose guard defensive tackle, but instead added an extra big defensive end. What do you think of that strategy? I'd say it wouldn't shock me, uh, just given how how uh, how multiple that Venables wants to be. And that's one of the things I think, particularly with, uh, with Jonah, the, the Conroe defensive end. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he's, he looks every bit of six, four, every bit of two forty, maybe a little plus. He, he reminds me of, uh, the former five-star, uh, the sign of A&M that just transferred to Michigan state, uh, at least physically right from on the hoof, uh, Tumai's, uh, what is it? Uh, Adeye, Adeye, Tumai's, Adeye. Adeye. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. reminds me. Who was, who was that size in high school? He was about six, four, six, uh -huh. five, 250, 260. It ends up 290 at, uh, you know, at, at AM, but a lean, well built, good looking 290 that can still run and move. And, uh, you know, I, like with, with him in particular, right. So, uh, John Ye, I think you see a guy play base defensive end. He can play in a four down, can play in a three down, uh, can play in both, do both. Same thing with Lindsay. I mean, Lindsay, I wouldn't be shocked if Lindsay didn't grow into a 315 uh, defensive tackle. Yeah, he's he's a big, he's thick a, kid. He's like 6'5", 270 already. Yeah, and so. I don't – you know, comparatively, you see some guys that uh, you can tell have spent a lot of time in the weight room with trainers, uh, you know, I, I and I don't get that sense from just even looking at him on the hoof, and then knowing kind of where he's from, right? It's a, it's southwest of uh, Little Rock, kind of a little suburb there. Uh, you know, uh, Bryant, and he's, you watch his film, and I think the first thing that jumps out, he plays high quite often. Uh, 
uh, I think it's just a bad habit for him always being bigger and a better athlete than everybody around him. You know, he still wants to play and just be more athletic than everyone. I think once he gets coached up and figures it out, hey, I've got to play with great hands and really good pad level. I think you've got a guy that can be super disruptive. Uh, but he's, again, he's probably another guy, depending on where he goes physically, that he might, if he doesn't grow to 315, you know, potentially maybe he still can play uh, some of that four eye in, in a three and a three down on front. Uh, so, I, I, I'm interested, right? Like I, I mentioned earlier, a lot of guys, like in Lindsey's case, that are 275 as as juniors in high school, you know, kind of like December of your junior year of high school, you're 275, like pretty good chance you're maybe 300 pounds, you know, by the time you show up to college. Uh, I think maybe more than anything, it, it maybe shows that they want uh, – you know, flexible, versatile guys, but they want disruptive defensive linemen that can move, can penetrate, and play on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. You can see Venables does not is not going to play a two gap scheme. It's asking guys to read and react, and you know, hold those blocks and just hold their ground. They want to they want to get upfield and, and 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 create havoc. They just offered um another two sixty five. 6'3", 265 defensive end D tackle guy um from the from the from from the Dallas area. Um, um oh, really? his name. Yeah, they they is Garrett. He's they've been they've been making more offers again at line. I can't believe it. They offered a Caleb Mitchell Irving, who um had a really good year last year. He's He's 6'2", 6'3", 265. So it's it's interesting though. You just continues to make offers on the D line. I, I uh, that's the wild thing to me. And again, like you know, almost more so even than a running back. Because to your point, you know, defensive line, Noary looks like. Uh, of course, he's a defensive end. You know, Nigel Smith. Uh, there's there's different guys. You know, uh, Stone, uh, the Oklahoma maybe leans while people would think. And they're not, they're not just resting on that and hoping they get them. They are, they are evaluating good players and offering good players. Well, another position they're not resting on either. Um, we'll circle back to the other side of the ball uh, quarterback, Chris, you know, we talk about Michael Hawkins a lot, pretty much every episode. Um we're talking about him again, but we're not. He's not the only quarterback we're talking about. What's What's the latest in Jeff Lebby's room? Well, first off, Michael Hawkins has posted on Twitter that he's deciding on April eighth. He was on campus. One of the other guys. He's one of the guys on campus this weekend, last weekend, with his brother. His brother is a twenty-five uh, cornerback, and OU offered him, which which has to be, I think. Um, you know, pretty emotional, bittersweet for Hawkins Sr. because he was a cornerback under Mike. Um, that's that Michael Hawkins, you know, that that was his position. He was a cornerback under Mike and and really had sort of all-American potential written over him before he he left campus. So it looks like it's going back and forth between OU and TCU. I, I think I think the decision's made and he's he's picked Oklahoma. So we'll see if that plays out. But we're getting a lot of internal, you know, our, our, our crack team working on uh, working in our sources is indicating that OU is 
definitely open and might like to sign two quarterbacks. So Samaj Jones is coming at the end of March for a visit. I really like his tape. Really like where he's at a quarterback. He's very he's different enough from Hawkins where I could kind of see it working a little bit. So um, generally two high school quarterbacks in the same class doesn't work. Bama just made it work in their most recent class. So I don't know, Matt. What do you, Matt and Caleb? What What do you think about the practicality of signing two high school quarterbacks in the same class with the portal? Well, you mentioned Bama did it last year. I feel like Bama does it often, maybe every three years or something like that. Um, and maybe that was yeah. But some some of them are some of those guys are three star guys. Yeah, so maybe like, and yeah. the strategy was They're not quite was a little different pre Bryce Young as well. Um, but right in in the era of the portal, like you mentioned, I think quarterback is a very interesting position when it comes to that. Um, you know, you, you if you're Jeff Lebby and you're evaluating a guy starting in, you know, maybe a sophomore year of high school, like an offer we're going to get to here in a little bit, um, you're watching him develop. Um, so you start thinking about what you need to do with him. Uh, you get a good relationship going uh, with, with, you know, these quarterbacks. That That's very important at the collegiate level. Uh, the relationship between the offensive coordinator, the play caller, and the quarterback. So you have a relationship that goes back early into high school. Then once that guy gets to campus, uh, it's it's very specific training. He's He's working on a specific system. You know, there's a lot of veer and shoot offenses, but, you know, there's only one Jeff Lebby veer and shoot offense. And if they start getting into that system and then all of a sudden they're transferring somewhere else, you're two, three, four years behind learning this new kid and him learning your system. So to me, I I would prefer, if if I was an offensive coordinator, I would much rather have a guy that I scouted in high school, have known for a while, he's known you, he knows your playbook. The familiarity as a quarterback is is paramount. <clears throat> and if if you can get two guys in this class to come in as high schoolers, to come into the system, develop in the system, develop at Oklahoma, develop the work ethic and the standard that that Venables is preaching, I think you're going to be ahead with one of those guys when Jackson Arnold's done. If it's a situation where you're waiting on a portal guy to just come in and save you, kind of like Notre Dame just did. Now Hartman is, you know, he's he's a good quality quarterback, but he's coming in as a one-year rental just to learn the offense kind of on the fly in the spring, go through the summer and hit the ground running to try to maximize his draft stock. Like that's kind of the end, you know, that's not really what you want as a, as a quarterback in your system. So I'm all for the two, two quarterback at a high school theory this year. Um, I, I think we have to do it. Uh, you might even bring those two guys in and then realize you still need some depth, depending on what a guy like general booty might do with his eligibility. Um, uh, but I, I'm all for, the two high schoolers this year. Uh, Caleb, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree completely. 
and I think some of that is probably tied to where Oklahoma's quarterback room is at is, is probably 60% of that. And the other 40 for me is these two players. If you look at, let's say Hawkins and Jones, let's just say in this hypothetical, those are the two kids uh, Oklahoma's able to sign. I mean, you know, again, so 60% of that is given the mass exodus under Riley, the quarterback room saw, uh, you know, where, I mean, gosh, I think there's what, three power five quarterbacks starting at other universities, maybe four, if, uh, what's his name at TCU, uh, Chandler Morris, if he wins that job, you're looking at TCU, USC, Wisconsin, with Mordecai in South Carolina, all having former Oklahoma quarterbacks <laughs> leading them, right? You'll have Big 12, Pac-10, Big 10, SEC. <laughs> you know, uh, it just was a mass exodus under under that guy. Uh, I mean, uh, for, you know, maybe it's some of its quarterback, maybe some of it's just uh, his personality. But where that room's at, Bevel's going to be gone soon. Booty, and I mentioned this a bunch, right, having – Jackson Arnold in right now. Everything you hear is he's he's probably already running second in that race. So it puts Oklahoma in a good position. If you get two quarterbacks right to follow up behind Jackson Arnold, you know, let's say those kids are fighting it out, vying to be the guy after after Arnold. You know, you maybe get three years of being able to push a competition between those two kids. Maybe it's just two if he leave, if Arnold leaves early, but you, know, you get two or three years if you've actually got depth. Within the quarterback room with kids that you brought in have been in your system the whole time you're working with. You're not having to go out and, and hope and pray that you can buy someone like a Caleb Williams, you know, maybe can give them half of an oil company or give them, you know, 2% of loves to get them to come in uh, like they were asking for, you know. So, I mean, that's probably not going to happen. So, I think that's a really good fit. And the other part of that is where I think with Jones and and Hawkins, neither one of them are your lock top three quarterback in this class that can choose and pick any program they want to go. Right? They're not Jackson Arnold or or uh, or Caleb Williams or you know I don't know if Arch Manning could have, but they're Dominic Rayola. Rayola, yeah, <clears throat> they can just say, seems "Hey, anywhere I want to go." Yeah, no, hundred percent right. It says anywhere I want to go, I'll go there. Uh, there are kids that are going to be looking at, you know, that kind of, I don't know what's called a rung down, but, you know, to some regards, right, uh, they're just looking in, at, you know, Penn State, Oklahoma. They're, it's just different. They're not clear-cut top three quarterbacks. So the potential to get both of those guys in and have them competing and working, <clears throat> I think, it, you know, it increases your odds of being able to sign two when neither one of them is considered – you know, the next number one overall pick in the NFL draft as, you know, when they sign on the dotted line uh, for letter of intent. Okay. So, you know, I think we're all in agreement. Taking two quarterbacks is a good idea um, to, to kind of stockpile that room back up, fill the depth. And then you always have to worry about the next class when you're talking about the quarterback position and, this uh, this past week, OU sent out two offers to 2025 quarterbacks, including one from uh, the DFW area, uh, North DFW and Prosper, Kevin Sperry. Chris, can you tell me a little bit about Kevin? His name has been uh, – Kevin Sperry has been getting a lot of publicity 
with a lot of offers. Um, he's got probably a half dozen, maybe as many as a dozen um, Division One offers, probably about a half dozen Power Five offers. So he's 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 well known. He's been doing the camp circuit very well. Uh, he's he's a good looking prospect on film. Uh, his O line is really taxed in his highlight reel. He's he's constantly kind of running for his life, um, but he's making plays. So you know um, he's kind of making something out of nothing. So you know he's six one, about two hundred pounds. Some some he's pretty mobile. So so there's some fairly obvious Jackson Arnold comps kind of out there. Uh, so I think it's very interesting that he got the OU offer and he is very excited about it. And so is his family. So it's, it's, it's an interesting offer because he's, he seems to be very much all in with, he, he looks really like he might fall to OU pretty quickly, depending upon how things shake out. Uh, the other offer was to a name. I'll be honest. I'd never heard of this guy. I hadn't had any tracking on him. It's not a name anywhere on my radar. And it's KJ Lacey. He's six one, about 185 pounds from Saraland, Alabama. And yes, I did have to look that up. That is near Mobile. And his film's very, it's kind of different than Sperry's because he has a good O-line and he has serious wide receivers. I don't know about the level of competition or what's going on, but he's he's flinging the ball all around but he's actually got time to do that um he looks pretty mobile he's not running the ball and his highlights anywhere near as much as sperry and like i said sperry is like on the hoof i mean he's under pressure in his highlights i mean, I, I can't even imagine his non-highlights and how much pressure he's under but it's i'm gonna be i'm very surprised by two offers going out and the timing of this I thought we might see some during the summer camps. Um, and I got to admit, I'm, I'm surprised that Sperry and Lacey with all the all the chatter about in-state quarterbacks. So, uh, Caleb, I know you've had a chance to look at these two guys. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, and I can give a little bit of background because I was the same as you. I was really interested. I, you know, whatever reason, I'd never heard of Rock Hill uh, high school there in Frisco Prosper area. And that part of the DFW has been, and we've talked about it a little bit, absolutely blowing up, you know, 10 years ago, I don't know if Melissa, Texas was six man, you know, and then now they've got half dozen kids that are power five, you know, like North of Allen there on uh, off 75. So at that part of the DFW has just been growing like crazy. So I, I was curious because Sperry's stats are not great. It's, I think he threw for just under 1,600 yards, uh, nine, nine touchdowns, nine picks. Now, he ran for, I think, just, you know, no, just north of 650 yards in seven touchdowns, uh, but his team was three and seven. So I was like, why is that? 2020 was the first year in existence for that high school. So they've only, they've only played high school. They've only played football for three years, uh, and they're playing in one of the probably best – uh, you know, areas for high school football in the nation, right? I think everybody pays attention. You see Frisco, almost everyone knows Allen, uh, but just that area, you know, you, you know, it's division one kids everywhere, all over the place. Uh, I mean, his film, you see the arm talent. Uh, I mean, statistically it's not, you know, great, but he, 
he can, he makes every throw. You see him layered in, he can drive the ball. Uh, I mean, intermediate routes, deep balls, throws off platform. Like he's, he's really good. I, the Jackson Arnold, like Baker Mayfield type comps. I, I, I see that completely. Uh, I know Arnold probably ran for about as many yards, but you know, when I watch Sperry, he runs, he's a fantastic runner. Uh, and he runs through some a sense of desperation. It's crazy as that. Maybe not crazy looking at his team and, you know, uh, the competition they're playing. Uh, but just really, really talented. And I think, you know, when you watch his film and you watch the ball come off his hands, it's really easy to see, you know, uh, why every all these schools think Texas A&M and uh, a number of Power 5 schools offered him before he'd ever started his first game as a sophomore. Uh, and I mean, flip side of that with Lacey, is his high school is their 6A as well in Alabama. They won the state championship this past year. So they are okay. one of the top programs so he in does the a, state. He has a top. Yeah. So I'm right. He has, he's got some dudes. His, 100%. It, it would be like taking, I mean, the comparison, right, is if you pulled Sperry and you put him on Westlake's high school football team, right? Like that's what Lacey's running around yeah. with. Division one players all around, or all around him. Yeah. There's some of the worst offensive line players. I've ever seen on Sperry's film. Like, there's one. It's, like, I would love it. It's terrible, coach. Well, there's one. Like, they try to do a little fold block. They had the tackle fold inside of the guard, and I've never. I mean, you can't block anybody straight up, and you're trying to get funky with it. And both the end and tackle shoot right by the guard and tackle on or in his face, and he makes a miss and takes off running. And you're like, oh my god! Like, I mean, that's just it's some of the worst I've ever seen in my life. I thought I, mean, I thought at least Sperry's a line. It's like it's it's a little, not to not to pull back at aim to frustrate us, but it's almost like Caleb Williams' sophomore film, where I honestly thought his O line hated him. <laughs> As how and, and when looking at Sperry's tape, I'm having those flashbacks of like, do his offensive linemen really hate him? Because they don't really seem to be trying to block that much on some plays. Yeah, and he just yeah. it's like he he turns his back and there's like three dudes coming at him. I don't know who 77 is on that highlight reel, but he's like old. He He's a big defensive tackle. And literally the Sperry offensive lineman guy is, is, is playing like Olay with him. And he's like charging into the background, like every other highlight. I'm like, who is this guy? I mean, you see, on his, there was one of them, his throws on his tape. I mean, he, and it's, you know, I think it's a 15 yard curl route by the receiver. Uh, but he throws it on time. I mean, it just shouldn't happen, right? But as he's throwing a defensive tackle, is just lighting him up. And he doesn't even – doesn't change one thing about him. Steps into it, just takes the shot, completes the ball. Uh, so I think you do see – like you see a competitor. You know, I've noticed that. It's one of the things, not to go off track here, but like right now the combine and the com- coming draft, everyone wants to talk about Anthony Richardson being like uh, Cam Newton. And I don't see that because when I watched Cam Newton in Auburn, I watched the guy that when he ran the ball or did anything, there was a sense of desperation. There was, he willed his team to wins and he made things happen. Uh, He, you know, just from pure, like sure grit and determination. And you watch Richardson, it's like, well, here's a super talented guy, but, you know, uh, looks like, you know, he's pissed at his team. He's on actually a pretty good roster. Like, I don't understand. You don't, and with Sperry, I think you see more, he's not 6'5", 240, but that that grit and determination in that fight, I think you see it really shine through when he takes off in the run game. Uh, he's not, yeah. you know, 
and he, he's he had to run a lot. So those stats he's are running cool. for it. He's running for his life. I mean, he's literally yeah. like the only way we're moving the ball tonight is if I run maybe half of these plays. And and Lacey's it's really the polar opposite. You know, again, you're talking about one yeah. six eighteen that's playing best competition in the country, and they're not. You know, maybe in a couple of years when that high school's been around longer, they'll, they'll fare better. And Lacey, on the flip side, he's playing against good competition, but he's on the best team. And you never see him run. It's a void. He's fantastic at avoiding the rush to just create time to throw the ball downfield. Uh, I mean, I watch Lacey and I see five-star quarterback all day. He, you watch his ability to change his arm angle and deliver the ball. You know, you can tell it's interesting. You know, years ago, guys came up and probably tried to, you know, mimic the types of quarterbacks they were watching in college or pros at that time, which were Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or, or Cam Newton or whoever it might be. And you see, like, maybe trying to imitate a lot of Pat Mahomes because it is off platform, different weird arm angles, and he's just zipping the ball around uh, to really good players that are going to be open, fantastic in their RPO game. He pulls that quick and snaps it off. Uh, I don't think he's got the arm. You don't see – you see some balls, I wouldn't say sail on them, but more air on them than what Sperry has. Sperry can drive it a little bit better probably. He's got – he's a bigger, stronger kid, at least in terms of weight. So I think he's got a more powerful, more RPMs on the ball. But Lacey is, uh, you know, he's a juiced-up Bryce Young. You know, I mean, he's, he's bigger and and uh, got – the game is, is, is similar – in some ways, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I definitely a five star. Sperry is, yeah, I would love to see Sperry on Allen as opposed to on Rock Rock Hill. It's interesting that you made the Anthony, you brought up the Anthony Richardson um, combo to Cam Newton because obviously, you know, to to echo that old line from the from the old eighties debate. I knew, you know, I knew Cam Newton. I met Cam Newton. You sir, or, or no, you know, I watched Cam Newton play football. I watch Cam Newton, you know, play high school football. You, sir, are, are no Cam Newton, Anthony Richardson. Um, uh, he's he's big like him, but but just it's night and day the way they play college football. So yeah, yeah, it's like but, uh, uh, I always think of the the old Jerry Glanville line. You know, he says, "You know, son, your potential is going to get me fired." You know, it's because it's it's what it is, yeah. right? It's like potential. Yeah. It's like it, you know, everybody sees the potential, and you know, because you don't produce, I'm going to get fired. Uh, so yeah, I, or, I, I do wonder. I do wonder what it just means for Grady Adamson and Shaker Racing. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you. The in-state guys, what you know, what does this mean? Because it's supposed to be a great 2025 class in the state of Oklahoma itself. Well, yeah, I mean, OU's already got seven offers for 2025 players. They haven't offered a quarterback yet. I thought Adamson or or Shaker Racing was probably going to get an offer and. Uh, again, it sounds like you know if you know it's hard reading Twitter and hard reading this stuff, but I, it just sounds like Sperry is going to leap on this thing fairly quick. So I think Grady Adams and Shaker Isig are, are probably looking at other schools. Yeah, uh, I I'll be honest. I kind of thought just when you watch the film, as one of the reasons as well why I think Sperry is such a good fit, and I like that offer is, again, his mobility and ability in the run game, because that is a big part of, uh, I mean, all of football today, but particularly, you know, Levy's offense. It's the quarterback run game and threat of, I thought Adamson, you know, he's he's a big, strong, mobile guy uh, that can run. I 
a lot of ways I thought he, he might be. So it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. You know, I kind of brings that question back, you know, uh, we talked a bit ago about Oklahoma looking to take two quarterbacks in the 24 class, you know, could there be a possibility if they don't land to when they circle up to 25, uh, they likely, who do you take, do you take two? And do you try to find, you know, a way to take Adams and Ansberry if that's what you could get? Uh, I think that's a potential there just begin because, yeah, I, you know, that's, that's really interesting. Caleb. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I mean, obviously Bevel will be gone. You'll have Jackson Arnold. Uh, and then, you know, if you only sign one, you're looking at, uh, let's say Hawkins and, uh, and booty. And again, uh, you know, I, said this probably too many times right but uh you know i i, I just if if booty gets beat out by by uh a jackson arnold i'd just be i'd be surprised if he sticks around in norman for you know three additional years to be to be a backup you know uh that's just not yeah. what you see from quarterbacks today so yeah i mean whether it's this year or next i think you know you're probably looking at gonna need uh need bodies Okay, well, one thing um, I wanted to do, I wanted to do a little bit in line with some of the stuff we've been doing lately, is uh, when I was watching the combine over the weekend, and I, and I obsessively watched the combine because it's it's basically the recruiting version of the NFL. So of course I have to obsessively watch it. Plus, it's it's always nice for me to track names that I've been following in recruiting and see what happens to them. You know, in the NFL, who dropped out, who 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 made a lot of what they were, you know, et cetera. So it's always nice to, to look at the names here. But I was kind of maybe sucking on the hopium a little bit and thinking about, all right, we've got really two very talented football classes just signed the last two years with some serious athletes. So we're going to do a little bit of imagination here, dropping the imagination future machine, and we're going to draft our favorite combine Sooners. So take a look at the current Sooner roster. Think about the current Sooner roster. And then imagine them at the combine, and I want you to draft the player you most want to have as your guy in the combine in terms of being like a combine performer, blowing up the combine. And, you know, like Nolan Smith did this weekend or PJ's brother, um, you know, Anton Harrison had a really good, really good combine. So did Brian Breesey. So did Jalen Redmond. So just lots of players just kind of making the combine theirs and blowing up the combine. So who would be your combine first round draft pick super performer from the sooner current roster? And as always, we give our co-host Matt the first pick. So you need to choose the first name, Matt. Well, I'll preface my pick by saying I totally agree with your stance on the combine. I love it. Uh, recorded it uh, have watched most of it uh, it's just it's fun seeing a guy that you know it might have been four years since you heard his name maybe even five uh, and all of a sudden you're like oh yeah I remember that guy uh, he had an OU offer five years ago um, so it's just kind of fun to see uh, where guys end up five years down the road uh, you know playing for a spot in the NFL so I think it's great um I like watching the workouts, even though, you know, Caleb, you know, you're, you're a little down on the, the underwear Olympics these days. Um, but it's understandable. I mean, these guys are all freaks. They started training, uh, for this type of stuff, uh, way earlier than they used to. 
Um, even coming out of high school, these guys are, are way further advanced than even five, 10 years ago with all the advances in sports science. Um, but if we're talking about potential and I'm looking at our roster, I, I don't know how you don't go with PJ Adeboware first based on Chris, you, you brought up his brother went to the combine at about six, two, uh, two eighty five, and absolutely tore it up. Um, blew out every metric for a defensive lineman that you basically could. Uh, he was a little short, which, which kind of hurt his overall athleticism score. That's uh, cool. You can go onto Twitter and just search uh, <clears throat> combine athleticism. And there's all sorts of accounts that put together, you know, scores and athleticism ratings and all that stuff. And, Adebore's older brother kind of hit every metric was one of the stars of the combine PJ is taller he's longer he's a little bit leaner um possibly just as as explosive so I'm going with PJ first overall um we're hearing great things about his workouts uh and his potential so that's that's my pick at one all right Caleb you're up yeah, let me first say I do hate the underwear Olympics. I do think, <laughs> and the and the biggest reason I think the system has been gamed, right? It, the system has simply been gamed. Uh, yeah. Uh, every one of these kids, they know every drill that it's going to come out, right? They know what they're going to be doing. These kids are going to, their agents are paying, you know, six figures for them to go spend, you know six or eight weeks or whatever it is, 10 weeks in facilities where everything is simply geared towards those drills. I mean, for all I know, they're matching it up with the circadian rhythm and they're making sure that, Hey, I know defensive linemen are go on Fridays at 8 a.m. So we're going to make sure we're doing our training 8 a.m. Every morning so your body is set for this or quarterbacks. You're going to go, you know, Friday night because we want to get this on television. So quarterbacks train, they're doing everything, you know, in the evenings to make sure it's matched up. I hate it. Because uh, I don't think, and the reason is right. I harp on this, right? Like no one Smith, bullshit, like complete and utter bullshit. Like you're not, every film I watch of that guy, I don't see anything remotely close to what he tests as. I think the kid's got like what was it, maybe seven sacks over four years or five years at Georgia, and he goes out and runs four three nine and says I wasn't even running full tilt. Like, bullshit. You know, like, I mean, what you just decided when you played football, you didn't want to get sacks either. You just thought, I don't feel like run by that tackle today on this snap. I just don't want to, you know, I don't feel like it. I'll save it for the combine. I mean, whatever. That's the, that's the longest draft selection name I've ever heard. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I will say this. So if I want to go for my draft selection, I'm surprised that no one didn't choose him. Jaron Kanak is what I would say from, uh, Kid that's going to blow it up, probably. I mean, what is he? Six two, maybe six one and three quarters. He'll probably check in two thirty five, uh, maybe two forty. He ran ten five hundred meter in high school. Probably jump over forty inches. He'll be one of those guys, I think, that will that will show up and and blow up. All right, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a serious projection here, but I'm going to go with Jaden Rowe. Because I think he's going to show up at the combine and do a pull a Tariq Woolen. Uh, that's the, for those who don't know. That's the rookie cornerback from was he was it Texas State? Or was it UTSA? Um, 215, ran like a four four at the combine, and uh, was basically an old rookie with the Seahawks. 
So I think Jaden Rowe can do that. I think Jaden Rowe, if healthy and in good shape, could be at the combine around 6'2", 6'3", 215, and, and running a sub 4440 uh, at cornerback. So I'm going to go with Jaden Rowe. By, by the way, Caleb, I'm going to arrange the next combine event. They're just, just going to randomly unleash some Bengal Tigers and not <laughs> let the players know. And, you know, whoever, whichever prospects can, you know, can make it to the safe areas that appear like the Hunger Games, those guys get the, you know, just so they add a little variety into it, something they're not quite prepared for. Yeah, I'd just love to see him show up and not know what drills are going to be on the docket. You know, like let him like, go train. Or, like the, or the Terry Tatum office linebacker, that old ad, like all of a sudden, you know, the running backs are all like, what do you mean is the run, is a linebacker coming at us? And all of a sudden, you know, out of like the tunnel – come four or five pro pro linebackers and, and they have to avoid them. <laughs> I would just let, I mean, just something, right. I think, you know, uh, again, I'm all for just don't tell the guys what, what drills are going to be doing. Let a couple of the teams yeah. get together. that are you know, the coaches on those teams that are helping yeah. with the combine drills and let them decide, Hey, here's what we're going to do with these groups this year. And the guys show up and, and put them through that and, Let's see how they do. Uh, Maybe so, something a little more American Gladiators combine combined, right? Like some guy shooting tennis balls at you. I love you that. Know. I'm all for that, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Caleb, you are up next for this combine draft. Yeah, again, so uh, I'll stick with the track stars. I'll go with Gentry Williams. Um, you know, super long arms, uh, six foot maybe six foot and a half. I don't know what he'll weigh, probably north of 190 pounds whenever he shows up in hopefully three years, hopefully sticks around and, and locks it down in Norman for a while. But, I mean, you know, as a kid, but what was junior Olympic uh, times yeah, yeah. in the, the 400s, so you're talking about a guy that Olympic speed and those types of guys tend to, again, you give them eight weeks to train specifically for stuff, they'll, uh, you know, world-class athletes tend to look world-class. I mean, Marvin Mims did a 4-4. I really didn't believe that was going to happen. So, sub 4-4 or so. Yeah, 4-3-8. Right. Yeah, 4-3-8. So, I'm up. I'm going to go with Gavin Sawchuk. He is, the, he is your next running back to show up at the combine and run a 4-3 flat because he's got the track skills to prove it, right? That the, the foodies right in his bread and butter with his 60-meter uh, uh, indoor track uh, uh, best time. I got to say, I, after doing the the running back preview and digging in and watching him, which wasn't it was just that one game, but saw Chuck and then comparing some of the stats on PFF as it relates to like broken tackles and, and that rate, I probably offensively, I'm, I'm probably the, I'm most excited about seeing him in 2023. Uh, you know, his, uh, his ability to kind of run through trash really, right? Break tackles and his speed. I'm really excited to see what he does. And, in 23 he just looks so natural yeah, yeah I mean, and 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 some of those runs that that gray took 30 40 yards i mean gavin's gonna hit the gonna hit his head on the goalpost. i mean you know one of the things with the running backs I, I think it's the most overlooked uh physical trait i guess i think it's what one of the things that i think emmett smith was amazing with uh was just like i mean it's has to do with overall like core strength, you know, and, and, and everything, but just balance the ability to keep your feet 
uh, yeah. after contact and let like, guys bounce off of you. There was one of the clips in the uh, in the Florida State in the bowl game where you know it's it's a it's an outside zone play. Uh, linebacker comes scraping free. Nobody gets to him, and uh, you know Sasha just they meet. He just ran right through him, uh, you know, and gets, I think, you know, eight or nine yards. But I, it was just – there's a number of plays where he was just running through guys, uh, you know, just glancing blows, hitting him, you know, never getting them solid, getting half of them, and he was just running through that. And I think if his speed and, you know, and that, he, he's he's got a potential to have a special season. All right, Matt, your second pick. Um, let's see. I've kind of got two options that I really, really like. I'm wondering if the third one will make it to me in a couple picks. Uh, I'm going to go defense again, length again, because these guys really just show up on all of the metrics. Desan McCullough, uh, six, five, he'll probably be. You know, you'd think he'd be 245-ish maybe at the Combine, maybe even 250. Um, you know, that 4-5 range, he's going to have a massive wingspan. He's going to jump out the gym. Um, I think that's a guy that, um, you know, if if he really picks up this defense, Venables pushes the right buttons, puts him in the right position, you know, I, I think you're looking at a, a top 10 NFL draft pick type body uh, and talent. So uh, I'm going to go with him uh, to pair up with PJ Adeboore. So you're building a defense apparently over there. Okay. A massive long defense. All right. Well, I'm going to go to our freshman class and I'm continuing my speed motif. I think Jaquaz Petaway in a couple of years is going to blow up the combine at wide receiver. Interesting, because he's he's definitely a very well built yeah. person for being, you know, he's not even on campus yet, and he looks chiseled. Looks so good that, on the hoof. Yeah, the and we know he's good. There. And we know he's got the track speed. So I'm thinking he's going to throw up a, he's going to throw up a ten, he's going to throw up a four three five or something like that, and and look like one look like look make everybody wonder if he's the best wide out at the combine. Okay, I like that pick. Um, am I next again? You are next again. They're going back to me. Well, then I'll take oh. the other guy I was uh trying to decide. I'm also going with another very, very large human, possibly the biggest guy on OU's roster. Damn it, I knew you were gonna this do this year. Uh, Taylor Guyton, six eight ish, <laughs> you know, three, three twenty ish. He'll probably uh, be at the comp. He'll probably try to thin up a little bit, but talk about a massive dude with excellent feet. Um, I think he'll, his splits will be really good. Uh, his, his overall 40, who really cares for a tackle? Um, but his 10 yard split, I think is going to be really good. His three and cone is going to be really good. Uh, he probably will have a very good vertical too. Just his feet are that good. Uh, I think again, he's another, you know, potential first 10 draft pick type of guy, uh, just yeah, based he's on a big power forward playing offensive tackle, isn't he? I mean, yeah, exactly. He's, so, you stole mine. Just <laughs> fantastic athlete at a premium position, uh, in the NFL. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think to add to that, I think he's got a good, 
good chance. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't break the vertical uh, record for offensive tackles, offensive linemen. I think it, you know, so it got broke this year. Tristan Morphs used to have it at like 36 and a half. And uh, shockingly, I kind of shot, surprised me. Uh, maybe not. Big tackle out of, uh, out of BYU, Blake Freeland. He broke it. He's one of those guys, 6'8, was 240 coming out of high school, played tight end, right. different positions, left, you know, after five years, left uh, BYU 302 pounds. And he jumped 37. I, I think Guyton's got, the ability to go out and do that. I, I agree. Guyton was going Will to you, be my pick. Don't haven't they sent some hasn't OU done some Twitter shots of him where he's just like leaping in the air? Like yeah, you know crazy that, with crazy, that, that, crazy lift for how big he is. Yeah, you know, the one they do all the like it's interesting. There's the one that all of the skill players do where they jump up and they do kind of like kind of like the Jordan, but they put the ball between their yeah. legs, like they're gonna and then there's yeah. you know, they do that with him. Like they don't do it with all the other office linemen. They do it with him, and he looks like he is. I assume they don't have a trampoline tied to a rope, and they're not pulling out to snap the photo in its hand, <laughs> right? Uh, but it looks. I mean, he super athletic, super athletic. I think that was that's, that's a good pick. All right, Caleb, you get to end. It's it's. I went with uh with Petaway. We've got Tyler Guyton. Um, the obvious freaks are kind of old, kind of maybe all taken off the board. So, yeah, where are you going tough. with your last pick? It's tough. It's tough. Uh, I'll be honest. Like one of the guys I really like is Savion Bird. Uh, just I think you watch him pull. There's an explosiveness in his hips. Like when he turns and gets going down the line, like he's out of the out of his blocks is very 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 different than the other interior offensive linemen. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him run a good 40 to jump really well in the vertical and in the broad. Uh, I think, but I'll go with, I'll go with Billy Bowman, a uh, little muscle hamster. I'm going to say he's a really good athlete and uh, you know, again, give a, give a really good athlete eight, 10 weeks to work on everything. And I'll bet he goes and I'll bet he runs well and jumps well. It's a good pick. Do you guys have just before we wrap up, just one guy that from this freshman class has that athleticism that we could be talking about him in four years? The McIntyre yeah. kid is, is is kind of fascinating, right? Because you just don't know where it's going. So he, I had him on my list, and I just randomly thought of this question, and he he's he's actually why because you know his he he claims. I think it was uh what was the 40 time he he had on his profile like four uh, five four maybe something yeah, four, like five, that five, and, four, five, and, seven. and his his broad jump and his vert and all his numbers were fantastic so if he a guy like that can put it together on campus uh get into the college weight program which he might have already been in i don't know if any anybody's seen his dad um, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like his dad looks like universe. jake cutler yeah, like, yeah. If you see if you see Jay Cutler now, obviously he's not he no longer competes in bodybuilding. And I'm again Jay Cutler the bodybuilder, not Jay Cutler the <laughs> uh, you know uh, the quarterback. But you see him now uh, in, in some of the stuff for him training. His dad looks like Jay Cutler. It is it is it's interesting how uh, they, maybe some some of it is the you know the like dress similar in some regards and some of the photos you've seen of Cade's dad. But I think it's a good pick because you know to your point I. I think I got into this discussion on the board 
uh, when Oklahoma first offered him and took his commitment way last year, right? So last spring with Soup, and it was – it's – I don't ever want to say, like, he's going to be this guy, but when you take all of his – like, so his track times, he, he runs the 200 meter. He's on the four by one. He ran the 100 meter, uh, you know, uh, at 210, six, three and a half, whatever it is, 210 as a junior, uh, in high school. And you match up all of those testing numbers with, uh, Brock Bowers at the same point in time in high school, it's McIntyre's is a little bit in front of Brock Bowers. You know, like they're right there in that same wheelhouse. And I don't mean to say he's going to be Brock Bowers as a tight end and all those things, but just as an athlete, it's uh, it's super interesting. He's, his athletic profile is is impressive. Well, that's definitely somebody uh, you want to be compared to. Yeah. I do with one last thing. If you if you can find it, uh, podcasters on Twitter, OU offensive guard target Eddie Pierre Louis. I saw him running track. <laughs> running is running track, and he is a large man expending a lot of calories, hoofing it down the track, and it's a, uh, <laughs> it's pretty, it's either scary, awesome, or or something to see. But you can find it on Twitter uh, for uh, for and that's um, uh, that's that's a oh you seriously after Eddie uh, to play him at offensive guard, but he is. He's an impressive looking human being throwing that much uh, mass. He's yeah. he's every bit 6'3", 320. And he's throwing that mass down the track and he is huffing and puffing, but God bless it. the kid. God bless yeah, the kid. He, look, he looks awesome doing it. <laughs> I mean, I I watched that video and you hear a lady in the crowd like laughing, I guess. Like I, she's, I don't think she's, she's not laughing at him. She's just laughing. Like this is wild. Uh, I watched that. Like don't know if he'll sign with Oklahoma uh maybe maybe not i think they've got a good chance but he's one of my favorite kids in the class like just for those <laughs> types of things because you can even from the stands you can see like this guy's getting after it like he's not there goofing off to say hey, no 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 he is run. like he is it's, he's, it's he's going serious he's going he's, he's going he's, he's taking this seriously yeah i loved it it's pretty I awesome so loved it uh yeah so if uh, podcasters have any We'll try and we'll try and put a link on 360 for that footage to, tonight. I've been to put it up earlier, but uh, that was my that was my favorite track combine moment of the week. Here you go, Chris. I want to throw this your way, and I saw this earlier, really as we were starting the pod. And I know the this pod, the name is you know, everybody gets a five star. I just find this interesting to get an, for fans to get an idea of what Brent Venables and staff did in year one recruiting and what the trajectory looks like going into year two, right? The second class, rather, is second full class. When you look at the composite ratings for recruits, really since around 2001 when this all got created, right? This, the universe yeah, of now yeah. recruiting, okay? Brent Venables in his first full signing class signed three of the top 14 most highly rated recruits Oklahoma has signed in the last 22 years. It was Jackson Arnold at seven, PJ at eight, Peyton Bowen at, uh, at 14. And, you know, so some, some of the guys on that list, as everybody can imagine, right. It's, it's Adrian Peterson. It's Rhett, Rhett Bomar, Caleb Williams, uh, Tommy Harris, you know, it's, uh, 
R.J. Washington, Gerald McCoy, these guys. It's so it's it's interesting to see just the trajectory. Having done that last year with three and the potential for who knows what this year because it ran on a lot of them. Uh, it's the roster as a whole team seems to be be trending up from a overall depth and talent standpoint. Yeah, it's 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 it. We're we're at a very interesting point in recruiting. They've had a great march. Now we're going to spring ball and a spring game, and then OU in May and June kind of kind of really hits the hits the gas. So um, there's a there's a lot of names to track. It's very hard figuring out how to make a top how to make a prediction to where the class is. Um, but yeah, Matt, we've got we got lots of content coming for our podcast uh, podcast listeners coming up in the next in the next weeks because it it's all go from here. Yep, February's over. Um, we're we're into March, into the visit season. Uh, we have spring ball right around the corner. Coaches will really know what they've got on campus uh, when when those practices really ramp up. Uh, and then the summer is is kind of moving season, so we're we're right around the corner with all that. Things are full go ahead um, for more names, more links, more info, more stats. Head on over to Sooners360.com. Uh, check out all the great content the team is putting out. Uh, there's a lot of great threads on the forum as well. Uh, so head over there for some discussion uh, for more insider recruiting info. Chris's uh, you know, weekly top 10. Uh, he has a monthly class prediction as well. Uh, so head over for the board for some more content. And as another reminder, make sure you don't miss another episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite platform of choice. We are out there on pretty much all of them. And you guys check out the board and we'll see everyone around the water cooler. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.